0: All right, we're gonna go ahead and get started today. Um, yesterday, I sent the an email um, uh, and talking about like sibling relationships. Okay, talking about like sibling relationships. Um, and I think for those of you, yeah, I think everyone in here has siblings of some kind. Um, do you remember what your relationship was like when you were younger and How do you think it's changed or evolved over the years as you became, as you and your siblings became adults? These are questions I've been reflecting on a lot more these days because I have two kids and I see them interacting a lot. And it reminds me a lot of like what my relationship with my siblings, uh, with my little brother is like. Um, Now there hasn't been that much research done on adult sibling relationships. There's a lot more done on children siblings but not too many on adult sibling relationships. But in 1989, Dr. Deborah Gold, uh, who's a professor, who was a professor at Duke University, uh, who's in psychiatry and behavioral sciences, she came up with five types of sibling relationships that can describe um, most, almost every sibling relationships as adults, all right? Um, And uh, I think there's a slide of it, right? Yeah, here they are. I found this really interesting. Uh, Dr. Deborah Gold's Five Types of Sibling Relationships. Uh, And this is uh, published in her study. um, You can find it as a book, uh, Sibling Relationships in Old Age. Um, It's a little dated, uh, but I think all of these are very applicable. And these are the five types. And you can also find them on the bulletin. I listed them in the bulletin for you as well. Um, The closest type is, um, to no surprise, intimate, and these are siblings that are deeply connected. They have high devotion for one another, share a lot of mental and emotional closeness. These relationships are founded and based on mutual love, concern, empathy, protection, understanding, and um, durability. The next one is congenial what's called congenial, and this is typically uh, friendly there. These are siblings who are uh, really friends with very like close friends and mutual caring. Uh, But these relationships tend to have a little less depth and not quite as durable or reliable as intimate relationships, Uh, but they still remain uh, in regular contact with each other um, from like childhood, teenage years, and well into adulthood. Then there's loyal sibling relationships. And these are more based on cultural uh, and traditional norms. Um, They have regular but infrequent contact uh, as adults, but they still support each other and show up in times of need, conflict, or urgency. Then there's the apathetic sibling relationships. Uh, they occur when neither sibling is that interested in being close to the other. It is, uh, there is no emotional or practical support. Uh, they have minimal contact with each other and maybe just see each other at like big family functions. Uh, and it's important to note that there are no bad feelings involved, no ill feelings involved. Uh, but instead, it's typically the result of lives uh, kind of going off in different directions and just like the love, if they was like love and closeness as children or teenagers, um, it's no longer there as adults. And then last but not least, there's hostile. And this is when siblings have very strong negative feelings towards each other, uh, such as resentment or anger. Uh, This form of relationship is common, is is a common cause of uh, sibling estrangement and there is typically very little or absolutely no contact involved. And sibling relationships often change over the years. Okay, uh, Typically, most sibling relationships vacillate between maybe two or even three of these five types of sibling relationships. And maybe even if you reflect on your own brothers or sisters, uh, that might <laughs> uh, that might Oh, okay, okay. Um, but it's not actually that uncommon for uh, siblings to I- even experience all five types of sibling relationships in the course of their entire relationship. Um, and I you know as I was like reading this study, I couldn't help but think of my relationship with my own brother. Okay, and I, I emailed this picture uh, that I rummaged up, I found in my computer. Uh, this is me and my little brother when we were, um, I think I was six at the time and he must've been five. So it's around 1986. Um, can, can you tell which one is me? Yeah? Uh, All right. The one in the hat, yeah, that's me. I was small as a <laughs> <you> kid. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, I, was, I was thinking about, I found this picture and like, a flood of memories came back, right? And I was thinking about my relationship with my little brother through the course of our lifetime. Um, This was 1986, just about a year uh, after my family moved from South Korea to Los Angeles. And we were still little um, FOBs, uh, fresh off the boat kids, running around the streets of LA, new language, a new culture, and new ways of living in a different country on the other side of the globe. Um, and this is I think we were visiting my uh, cousins and, aunt and uncle in um, Fallbrook, which is like a little outside of San Diego, they had a farm. So yeah, we would visit them a lot when we were younger. And when we were little kids like this, like we were both really confused uh, little brats kind of learning how to adjust to this new life in this new country in America. Um, and then when we got older, uh, as kind of older kids. We completely adjusted to urban American living, uh, getting in and out of trouble together. We both lost most of our Korean language, (laughs) and we were totally like these uh, Twinkies, okay, Uh, yellow on the outside, white on the inside, and uh, yeah, and we were both like hanging out together all the time, like his friends were my friends, my friends were his friends, and whenever I wanted to go out with like just my friends, my mom would always like tell me to take my little brother with him, which... Now, as a parent, I totally understand because she probably just wanted some peace and quiet. And then when we became teenagers, we were both kind of going through our respective teenage angst in our unique ways, Uh, but we were still very much there for each other. Uh, I remember um, there were many times when I was going through some difficulties, uh, he was like the only person in the world that I thought like really gets me, like who really understands i'm going through understand my pain and my struggle Uh, and my family was very private they didn't allow us to talk about our problems or issues with anyone outside of the family and so i definitely didn't want to talk to my parents about my issues with them (laughs) so it was only we only had each other right and so we were really really uh tight we were like best friends still and it was not until college when I realized like we were kind of like diverging onto different paths of life. Uh, I went to UC Riverside and then a year later he went to UC San Diego. Um, I was taking my faith seriously, I was growing a lot of my faith and so most of my close friends over there were like these like good church kids (laughs) and then he went down to San Diego and he joined this fraternity that was like infamous for partying like every weekend, not only every weekend but like multiple times every single weekend right so that's when our uh, paths our values our lifestyles totally diverged onto different directions uh, so our relationship has kind of gone through uh, different types of sibling relationships uh, when we were younger our relationship was uh, pretty intimate uh, there were many times when I felt like he's the only person in the world who could understand me and I'm not exaggerating when I say if it weren't for my brother in my life, I don't know if I would be alive today. Like literally, because I was so depressed and had a lot of like suicidal ideation as a as a teenager and all you need really when you're going through a tough time like that is just like one person. Right? God God provides like a, all different kinds of relationships, but when you're in like a depth of despair, Um, all you really, really need is one close person who understands you. Um, And perhaps your relationship with your own siblings kind of went through the various stages of different types uh, along the way. Uh, Maybe you were really, really close to them when you were younger, but now as adults, you've kind of grown apart. Or maybe you weren't that close when you were kids. And then as adults, like, you kind of became, like, to understand each other better. And if they used to be close, but not anymore, a lot of people grieve the losses of their sibling relationships over the years, but perhaps a different way to look at it is um, an evolution, okay, an evolution of sorts. I know that my relationship with my brother in times like these, and then when I was a little older and as a teenager, um, it was critical, right? He was there for me at a very critical moment in my life, and it served a really, really important purpose. Uh, Likewise, I hope my role in his life did the same. And if we think about all the different relationships that we have in our lives, um, relationships evolve, relationships dissolve, and new relationships arrive. All the time. Right relationships evolve relationships dissolve and new relationships arrive all the time. Some might see these relationship evolutions as doors closing and doors opening. Oftentimes we get so hung up on the whole like doors closing part that we forget to reflect and process how the different relationships in our lives have impacted us through the course of the years. Uh, Only if we have eyes to see them, ears to hear them, and hearts to receive them, and spirits open enough to embrace them, can we appreciate each and every relationship that we have now and in the past uh, with much more gratitude. And this leads us to the central truth for today. Open doors exist to help us discover ourselves and grow in faith. Open doors exist to help us discover ourselves and grow in faith. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 5 through 14. If you have your Bibles, your Bible app, or you could just look on the screen. Um, I tried my best to fit everything in one page. So for those watching online, I'm sorry, Um, but we'll put a slide up for the recorded version. After I go through Macedonia, I will come to you, for I will be going through Macedonia. Perhaps I will stay with you for a while, or even spend the winter, so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost. Because because a great door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. When Timothy comes, see to it that he has nothing to fear while he is with you. For he is carrying on the work of the Lord, just as I am. No one then should treat him with contempt. Send him on his way in peace so that he may return to me. I am expecting him along with the brothers and sisters. Now about our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to go to you with the other brothers and sisters. He was quite unwilling to go now, uh, but he will go when he has the opportunity. Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. Do everything in love. Amen. And let's pray. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, thank you so much for allowing us this opportunity to reflect on all the different relationships that we have in our lives. Um, and with every relationship, it's like a door opening up to ourselves. But what is it about the different doors that are opening up that you want to reveal to us to discover ourselves and help us to grow in our faith and have healthy spirituality and really be honest with who we are holy spirit guide us holy spirit speak through me use me as your instrument your vessel and speak words of truth and life and peace in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. All right. So today, we are reading from the last chapter of First Corinthians. Okay, First Corinthians chapter sixteen. Now, I love First and Second Corinthians for various reasons. Um, one of the reasons why I think First and Second Corinthians is so interesting is because the city of Corinth, uh, which Apostle Paul is addressing in First Corinthians, is um, really unique. Okay, it's located on this like narrow strip of land called an isthmus. And because it's located on this like narrow strip of land and it's right in the middle, uh, they have two ports, okay, one on the north and one on the south. So they have boats coming in from the north um, and boats coming in from the south, right? So it's a really unique uh, advantage that the city of Corinth had geographically to allow import, export. Uh, to come in and out very easily. And because of that, uh, it is a very multicultural city. Okay, there were people from literally all around the world that reside in Corinth, that come in and out of Corinth, and that uh, have brought their own uh, values and culture to this wonderful, great city. Now, uh, the person who wrote this letter, uh, his um, name was Paul, okay? He is a very prolific missionary and church planter. Um, I, After uh, starting this church um, in early 2019, late 2018, uh, I have so much admiration for people like Paul because he was a beast, right? He would go from city to city, uh, starting new churches, like gathering people and like sharing about... Uh, the love and the sacrifice and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and how much God loves his people and really like transforming one city after another, after another, after another. And he was, he did a lot, right? He did a lot uh, like this. And so um, Corinth was one of the cities where he started this church, right? So the Corinthians in this church uh, loved and respected and adored Paul greatly, right? Um, but as soon as he realized like, oh, okay, his his contribution is done, and he could uh, kind of leave the church to other leaders to help take care of it and to um, take care of its people, he moved on to the next city to the, to, to do the same thing. Um, so, let's see. So he, uh, right before this, uh, he planted a church in, um, oh no, right after this, he went on to plant a church in Galatia which is most likely where he was writing this letter from. And then after that, he went on to a city called Ephesus, where he stayed uh, for longer than he usually did the other cities because Ephesus had a lot of challenges uh, when he was there. And then after that, he planned to do some work in this region called Macedonia, which he mentions in the beginning of today's passage. Uh, He also mentions a couple other people. Uh, One person in particular is Timothy, who is his protege his closest protege his partner in ministry and one of his best friends right and he had promised the corinthians that he would send timothy his protege to help them and support them and then another another person that he mentioned is a a man by the name of apollos right Uh, now apollos and paul uh they were Kind of uh, very similar, because they were both very ambitious. They were both uh, missionaries, they were both church planters, um, and they were both like strong-willed and strong-headed. And so because of that, they like butt heads a lot. <laughs> they butt heads a lot. So Paul, as you could probably tell uh, I don't know if you, you were able to pick this up in um, the tone in verse 12, <laughs> he says, "Now, about our brother Apollos.") <laughs> I strongly urged him to go with you, uh, to go to you with the other brothers and sisters. He was quite unwilling to go now, but he will go when he has the opportunity. So I don't know if you could tell, but there's a kind of a tone of annoyance and frustration (laughs) that he had there. But it's interesting because they're both doing really, really good work, right? They're both doing really, really good work. And so there's a lot of stuff going on in the background as Paul is kind of wrapping up this letter to the church in Corinth, right? And the, the right in the middle of today's passage, kind of like the hinge of today's passage, is verse nine, which says, a great door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. This teaches us that open doors, what it actually means is new opportunities. Open doors means new opportunities, Uh, new opportunities for relationships, new opportunities to grow, new opportunities to take care of yourself, new opportunities to see what God has in store for you. I don't know if you've ever heard this expression, you probably have. Um, When God closes a door, he opens a window. When God closes the door, he opens a window. There are many misconceptions about this uh, saying because for one, many people think it's a Bible verse, but it's not, okay? It's not in the Bible. You're not gonna find it in the Bible, all right? And two, um, I personally don't like that expression, okay? When uh, God closes the door, he opens a window because um, life is not so like cut and dry like that. You know, it's not so dichotomized like that right? It's 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 more fluid, isn't it, right? Yeah, maybe, like, you move out of uh, a city, but that doesn't mean you're done with that city forever, right? Maybe you go through uh, a breakup, but that doesn't mean, like, you might never, ever talk about this person, or you're never going to think about this person, right? Or maybe you go, like, even siblings, right? Sibling relationships change, right? But they're still your sibling, right? You might actually, like, end up Hating each other and like can't stand being around each other, but they're still your sibling, right? So that's one of the per- uh, reasons why I personally don't like that expression so much. But I was always wondering, like, why did it become so freaking popular? Why do so many people say it? Like, especially like religious people, right? Why do so many people say, when God closes the door, he opens a window? Um, and I think it's because uh, it's a feel good expression. Right. It just, you know, it's like a way to like help people like, oh, it's okay. You know, if you get fired, let's say you get fired from a job, right. And you're like, just like grieving uh, the loss of this and just fearing the unknown and all that stuff. Um, and you're sharing this with a religious friend and this religious friend says, well, you know, when God closes the door, he opens a window. It's, uh, I don't know. It, it, it's kind of uh, annoying. <laughs> You know it's kind of annoying, um, but that's that's more personal for me. But the reason why uh, it became kind of more popular in today's culture and society is because of one of my favorite freaking movies, *Sound of Music*. There's a scene when in the near the beginning of the movie, right when um, uh, what do you call it when those where where those nuns live, convent, yeah, uh, where Maria, the main character, Maria. Um, is like she desperately wants to be a nun okay she's a a a young sister in the convent and uh, she's training to be a nun she's like a nun in training right and the reverend mother tells her that she must first spend a few months as a governess to take care of these like seven children for the von trapp family uh she sees this as uh maria sees this as an unnecessary diversion and um gets frustrated right but she says to herself when the lord closes the door somewhere he opens a window right and of course it's like sound of music right and it's like the wonderful enchanting (laughs) julie andrews who's saying that so of course it's going to become a popular saying (laughs) right after she says it right um now when a path to life uh is something we pursue or desire is closing on us, this simple Bible misquote, this simple um, uh, commonly used saying, leads us to believe that maybe what we want is going to look very different or something, or it just kind of helps us to move on, almost like forcing us to move on. And it's, it's comforting in a way. Uh, to think about life's journey as kind of open and shut case. But oftentimes, we make the mistake of moving on too quickly without much reflection, process, and gratitude. So when Paul says to the church in Corinth, to the followers of Jesus in the city of Corinth, A great door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. It also reminds us that open doors means new challenges. Open doors means new challenges. What's really interesting is in the very immediate next verse, in verse 10, uh, Paul begins talking about Timothy, right? Uh, Paul knows that there are challenges that are waiting for him as he goes to a new city, to try and start a new church, to gather more followers, to share more about the love and the story of Jesus Christ. But he also knows that those in the city of Corinth might challenge him, okay? And the reason why I say that is because when he talks about Timothy, his protege, he's gonna, trust one of, he's gonna send one of his best friends, one of his best proteges to the city of Corinth to try to support them but when he says this he says see to it that he has nothing to fear while he is with you for he is carrying on the work of the lord and in verse 11 he says no one should treat him with contempt now why in the world would paul say this it's probably because he knows the corinthians really really well right and he probably knows that they're not going to welcome him with open arms as well as they would welcome Paul. Okay, they probably would not welcome Timothy with open arms and love and adoration and respect as they would Paul. uh, For well, Well, why not, right? It's because Timothy was much younger and he's not Paul, right? And so they're Probably always going to be like sizing him up and like comparing him to Paul, right? And like, if Timothy's trying to do it a certain way, uh, they would be like, oh, well, that's not the way like Paul would do it, right? And Timothy, as a personality, uh, New Testament scholars say that he's actually much more gentle and much more pastoral, whereas Paul is like really aggressive. He's kind of an entrepreneur, right? And he's just like, go, go, go. Whereas Timothy is more, he's more mellow, right? And he's like more relational, That's why it makes sense that Paul would start these churches and Timothy would take over and support and love and come alongside these believers. And just as there are challenges, this is like a new opportunity for his protege Timothy to uh, support and lead this church, it would also be very challenging for him, just as it is for Paul to go to a new city and to start these new churches and to like share about God's love To have these new opportunities, they will also have more challenges that come with it. I was reflecting on this and I realized that um, I kind of had to experience things like this too. In 2017, um, I was laid off from one of my previous churches and um, I kind of like, and I, I interviewed with like so many different churches, like I was actually counting all the different churches that I like interviewed with, and it was 14 different churches in, in 2017. I even interviewed with churches when I realized that um, I was going to be laid off. Uh, so I was like serving at this church and uh, kind of interviewed with like, the other churches. And then after I was laid off, I interviewed with like even more. And in the beginning of that time, I was trying my best to like impress them, like give all the right answers, right? And then uh, later on, I realized like, um, it's not really getting me anywhere. So I kind of like didn't care as much. So in my interviews, I would like uh, say things like, yeah, man, or I would say things like, dude, or (laughs) I would just be more myself and just more relaxed. And I actually did way better that way. I actually, like, did way better in my interviews that way. And I realized, like, and, you know, the central truth for today's message, uh, again, was uh, Open Doors exist to help us discover ourselves and grow in faith. I realized that, like, I don't need to be anyone else. I could just be myself. Right? I could just be myself. And these kind of challenges helped me realize that I don't need to put on a facade. Right? I could just be myself, just be whom God made me to be. Now, while we are walking through these open doors and experiencing all the different opportunities and challenges that they bring, uh, we must always remember to, and I'm going to read verses 13 and 14. Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. And ultimately, these new opportunities, these new challenges offer up new ways for us to love open doors means new ways to love now this sounds nice right um, and most of us like to think that we're primarily motivated by love uh, and maybe you are uh, but in the world I actually think most people like the vast majority of people are motivated by fear 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 of loss, fear fear of failure, and fear of death. When people say they are trying to hold a relationship or friendship together because they love them, in actuality, it's because they're afraid of being alone. When people say they are motivated to succeed and they're ambitious, it's actually because they're afraid of failure and amounting to very little with their short lives here on earth. And when people say they want to live their best life ever, it's actually because deep down inside, they're afraid of death and the great mystery of the unknown that awaits them on the other side. So, what does do everything in love actually mean? It means to love unconditionally, it means to love without expecting anything in return, it means to love recklessly. Every open door, every new relationship, every relationship that's evolving in your life, and maybe even relationships that are dissolving, are new ways for us to love. So the reflection question I want us to walk away with today and think about throughout this week is this. What open door is God presenting to you right now, and how does he want you to grow from it? What open door is life presenting to you currently? And how does he want you to grow from it? Let's pray. Lord, so many times we just go about our lives, kind of going in and out and kind of going through the motions without really spending much time pausing, reflecting, and processing what it is you want us to discover about ourselves and how it is you want us to grow in faith. Lord, we thank you so much for every relationship that we have in our lives and also for the new opportunities, challenges, and ways to love through each new open door. Thank you for being the one who provides these new relationships and help us to be uh, sensitive and open enough to receive them as you want us to receive them and not just kind of mindlessly go through these motions of life. We thank you for all the ways that you are challenging us and revealing your will and your love for us this past month as we've gone through this open series, and as we um, take a break next week uh, during Labor Day weekend, um, allow us to have our weekly moments of Sabbath, of solitude, silence, connecting with ourselves and connecting with you, so that we can be more aware of all the open doors that we have in our lives and what you want to do in us through them. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, have a blessed week or blessed two weeks. Join us online next week.